From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zuma Radio, AM 740. All right. This is live radio. And we switch gears at a moment's notice. We can do that. We have the technology. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Anyone who's, who knows me uh, can attest to the fact that I am a, well, almost a complete Luddite. Uh, what do the kids call it? Uh, a techno-peasant. And uh, the mighty Aphrodite uh, still won't let me forget an incident five or six years ago when I referred to her communication device as a blueberry. <laughs> she just, I one slip of the tongue. However, I mean, I think that's a clever marketing. They, they should have been called blueberries. Very friendly. It's a powerful food group. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to change that is what I'm saying. I'm trying to drag myself into the 21st century as fast as I can. And the reason for that is I believe the on this program is too important uh, to limit to terrestrial radio or terrestrial television. We have to reach a whole universe out there that no longer listens to terrestrial radio. They, they don't watch television on television. They, uh, they watch it on YouTube or Netflix or on the Internet. So tonight, an experiment. We're doing something called a Google Hangout. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, 72 hours ago, I didn't know what a Google Hangout was. I thought a Google Hangout was Starbucks. Uh, a bunch of guys with really bad haircuts and pocket protectors having their, you know, their tall uh, caramel lattes or something. That was a Google Hangout as far as, no, that's not what a Google Hangout, we're going we're gonna to learn about that. But here's the irony. We're, gonna, we're taking advantage of Google technology to get the word out, despite the fact that many people out there listening might see Google as part of some vast conspiracy of control. And we've got a Google Insider uh, tonight to address whether or not Google is the real Illuminati. Google, Google is the cabal that we talk a lot about on this program. Google is the devil. The all-powerful Google. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Andrew Gregg is a visionary, a technology expert. He's a business leader, a world explorer, a teacher, a revolutionary thinker who has been forever changed by a recent death, death experience that shapes his unique worldview to this day. I should also mention that Andrew Gregg will be part of our Follow the Truth Conspiracy Show Summit coming up on November the 16th. He will be uh, uh, speaking about pyramids at that time and uh, the, the, the discovery now around the world of pyramidal structures, ancient pyramids uh, that uh, have the power to provide energy and uh, to heal, uh, uh, healing qualities. But tonight... He is here to talk about Google and how perhaps Google is running the world and how we can wrest control away from the three people that own Google uh, for all of humankind. And we're very happy to have, as I mentioned, Andrew Gregg with us. Greg, uh, Andrew, how are you? Make sure I got your uh, your microphone on here. There you are. How are you, my friend? Good, good. Thank can I get you to just to get a little closer to that mic there? Whoops. Swing your, your microphone over there, Victor Vigiani. Our good friend. Okay, we've got a mic problem. Which one do I get? That's the problem. This one right here. Okay, this one's the problem. Okay, microphone number three, you are banished. <laughs> All right, there we go. Let's try that one. Uh, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network, my, uh, my sidekick, uh, joins us as well. Just because... Just because he wants to hang, uh, and you're you're welcome. We're doing a Google Hangout first before we get into this Google Inside stuff. What is a Google Hangout exactly, Andrew? Uh, Google Hangout is a way to be able to broadcast yourself on the internet through YouTube, which you can embed in your website or Facebook or anywhere else. But it's also at the same time like uh, a WebEx or GoToMeeting or Skype on steroids. So it's, Skype on steroids. I like that. Yeah, it's like everything all. All put together. So this is going to help us to get this message on terrestrial radio out there. Yeah, yeah, because radio really, of course, has a lot of unique content they can put out there. And uh, the Internet is a place that obviously the radio has been able to extend itself. So now, because of the unique you know, way radio is set up, um, it really seems to be going towards 
you know, Google Hangout broadcast to air to be able to reach those audiences where TV and, and uh, you know, movies and stuff are sticking through their cable and satellite and the theaters and so on and so forth because that's their, their model. But uh, this, is, this is a great way for artists and, and radio stations to actually to extend their audiences. And, you know, it's like, you know, video killed the radio star, so maybe you guys can get your own back now, right? Maybe you can... Right. Well, it doesn't matter. I've always said people say, oh, are you worried about, uh, you know, 60 years ago, is FM going to kill AM and is satellite radio going to kill Tourette? It doesn't matter, the technology. It's about storytelling. Uh, you know, as long as spoken word and music gets out there, whatever the delivery system, that to me is radio. I, I care not about the technology. It's invisible as far as I'm concerned. I'm just, we're just telling stories around a bonfire. That's right. Now, um, how do, if people want to uh, join this Google Hangout, uh, you know, what, what, how do they do that? Uh, you just go to my my YouTube channel, which we put the address on the, on the website and was tweeted out. Okay, can we share that over the terrestrial radio? Yeah, my lovely assistant Lisa. Lisa, uh, what's the the website if people want to join this Google Hangout tonight? Sent it to Albert, and he has the link. Okay, Albert, our intern, will get that for us in a moment. Anyway, the, the Google Hangout, is uh, it's happening, and it's a bit of an experiment. All right. You're wearing the Google T-shirt. You, uh, you have a, a kind of a unique arrangement. You don't work for Google, but what is your arrangement with, with Google, this monolithic company? <laughs> yeah, the... Um uh, we were one of the very first Google Apps resellers, in fact, in the referral program prior to the reseller program. So they call it Google for Work now. And basically, it's like a single sign-in for an alternative to Microsoft Office, to uh, you know, to Skype, to uh, chat, video conferencing like WebEx or GoToMeeting. It's all in one type stuff. It's all coming to one place under uh, a social business platform that they call Google Plus and Google Plus for Business. So it's it's all come into, into into one thing. So you know, obviously, there's a lot of apps there that are that are uh, important for businesses and and uh, you know business hangouts and so forth. But a lot of people. Let, let, before we get into that, let me just clarify sort of your relationship. Then you have sort of a unique partnership with Google to sell Google uh, products globally. Is yeah. that as a fair assessment? Yeah, as a reseller, we actually have uh, all the territories available to us. So that means we're a one-stop shop, soup to nuts, multi-jurisdiction. So if a company decided they wanted to do something in Toronto and then they had offices around the world, then that's something that uh, something we could do. It's a little bit more unique. In a reseller's uh, you know, uh, program, usually there's set territories and certain types of customers that you would work with. So there are not a lot of people on the planet that have that relationship with Google that you have. Exactly. Yeah. So we are in rare company here, Victor. I mean, <laughs> so you are a Google insider. You were there in the early stages you, you cultivate a, re- a relationship with, with these people. How do you respond when people perceive Google as, ooh, you know, Google, they're, you know, they're a Borg, they're, um, they're allowing, they've got all these back doors and they're allowing the CIA to spy on us and Google is evil. Google is the problem. We've gotta, we gotta, we gotta get rid of Google. How do you respond to that? Well, uh, I believe that actually as, as far as conspiracy theories go, uh, whatever you focus on is whatever you get more of, right? So uh, I guess it's better just to really, you know, like th- the irony is all the stuff that I'm saying is, you know, is actually on the Internet. You can follow along with your web browser and use Google to Google this stuff, of course. Um, the interesting part is Google is an open book. They use open source software to be able to do all this stuff. Uh, it's a very cool culture, like as far as a culture goes and, and it, as a business model. Incredible, incredible. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people call them, you know, the Borg, you know, assimilation, you know, resistance is futile, you will be assimilated, right? Is it? Please. Is it futile? Well, I, it depends on how you look at it, I guess, because it reduces your cost up to 70% to be able to switch from the other products in the market to this, and it reduces your environmental um, uh, footprint by up to 98%. I know you're going to have to, people are going to have to Google that one because it's almost unbelievable for that. So they're doing an awful lot of good, that's for sure. And that's why I got involved. But they're so big, Andrew, and they're so pervasive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm hearing stories now that, and in fact, I read this in, in our, the Mighty Aphrodite translated it for me. It was in a Greek newspaper. Google owns Greece. Is that true? 
I guess it depends on how you look at it. Greece needed a lot of, you know, somebody to come along to help buy a few things out. And I read that on the internet too, that there's there's quite a few pieces of infrastructure stuff they bought over there. So, I Do guess, they have that kind of money and that kind of power? And we'll find out who they are. But Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, it's a, it's a rapidly growing company, extremely, you know, financially, you know, successful. So it makes sense for them to go out and acquire things, of course. Artificial. Should we be troubled by that? Like one company has the power to buy a country? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, um, really as far as from a, a cultural standpoint, they're very open and very good. So there would be a lot of things that are very beneficial. But, you know, when you when you have things happen like, you know, the, uh, uh, the marketing director of Egypt for Google – um, got involved what was going on over there in a revolution and in 30 days he got rid of a dictator and you know in 30 days it was there for 30 years wait a second let me just stop you there you're saying that the google marketing director was responsible for toppling hosni mubarak well he was instrumental in it that's for sure and he was on 60 minutes and talked an awful lot about it and so he was that focus point for the whole thing it was it was definitely a movement so that requires more than more than one person but can you spend a little just a little bit of time explaining how Google could topple a dictator. Well, it was a it was a group of people using a social, you know, platform, and he just decided to, you know, make sure that he was talking about this, and people recognized him, and the way he he spoke about it, highly influenced that whole situation. He even went missing, and people thought that you know they feared for his life, and Google got involved, and so on. So, it was it was it was pretty interesting. Um, but the interesting part is is that two years after the army's still in charge, and there's still all the challenges. So it's it's not necessarily that these tools are out there that you can do these things, but where are the people that are wanting to be able to move things forward? And what's the plan going forward, right? Victor, are you getting this? I mean, I, I, I'm really trying hard. Um, I, you, you said something a second ago that um, this individual for Google did did what he did in, in toppling, mm-hmm. and then then from that maybe we can pick up this uh, in a, yeah in a we'll, we'll go into a break. Yeah. Just get your question. Uh, the the we'll question answer. is okay. You mentioned well then then he was on 60 Minutes. Now, that seems to be like a left hook one way and then a right hook another way. Um, in order to legitimize what he did, he had to be on 60 Minutes. Would him being on Google have legitimized it completely, or does the mainstream media still play a role in legitimizing what this man did? Well, I'm glad you stuck around. That's a great question. You've earned your key. I'm a smart guy. You are. All right, we'll take a time out. Andrew Gregg, Google Insider, is with us. Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network, back Join our Google Hangout. We'll get you uh, the website. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. A bit of an experiment tonight. We are conducting a Google Hangout. And uh, here's how you can get to it. If you just go to my, you know, we'll we'll work out the uh, the wrinkles as we go on. But as I say, this is a bit of a laboratory tonight. If you go to my Twitter feed, uh, twitter.com forward slash Richard Serrett, and we've actually uh, tweeted there about the Hangout, and it's the very first feed at the top at the, of the timeline. Just click on the link, the YouTube link, and that should take you to our Google Hangout. And uh, don't worry, this is, a, this is a good hangout. You're not hanging uh, out with uh, a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. This is good information we're bringing you. And Andrew Gregg is with us, a Google insider. He's a bit of a technological visionary. And you, you look so unassuming, sitting there in your, your friendly little Google T-shirt and your, your hoodie. Um, and, and yet, I mean, you, are, you're, you have a very unique relationship with the people that founded Google. What, what is the origin of Google? Where did it come from? I mean, how did it become this monolith? It was a, uh, uh, a search engine, of course. Uh, you know, two guys in a dorm, just like most technology companies that dropped out and decided to, you know, change things. And then it morphed into buying you know, recently artificial intelligence companies to robotics companies to, you know, many different things. So it's a, 
it's just a just a better way to be able to find information. You know, they wanted to be able to make sure that all the information was accessible worldwide to anybody that wanted access to it. Right? Can we talk about its its early origin? Is that okay? I mean, it it wasn't just a search engine. It was a particular kind of search engine, correct? Well, there's there's rumors, of course, and you can go back on the internet, and there's you know people that you know two guys in a dorm type stuff. It was you know. Gee, what would they be looking for late at night in a college <laughs> dorm? Information on uh, how to build a steel girder bridge? No. What, what were they looking for? Well, you know, it could be um, uh, probably a good search engine to be able to sort all types of data, including, you know, of course, the the the, the information as far as the internet goes. A lot of stuff is 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 born from. You know the the porn industry, right? So it sorts everything. So, so that's the rumor, anyway, that Google w- began as a more more effective way of searching for porn. Well, yeah, any search engine actually, because in the early days and still today, of course, it's 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 quite big. Although religion obviously has found the internet, so they're now you know really big as far as searches go. You know, compared to uh, compared right. to the the porn industry. Yeah. How big is Google? I mean, can you quantify something like that? Well, yeah, they're a publicly held company, so you could take a look at, you know, their their financials, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's it's staggering, right? How how fast they're growing. It's it's arguably one of the fastest growing companies ever in history, right? So it's uh, it's it's interesting that most people see Google obviously as a you know a, a tap that you turn on every day, like a public utility, and right, the water right. that comes out, sure. you expect the water to be... We don't even think about it. Yeah, to be drinkable, and it'll always be there, and so on, right? So it's it's just interesting to see how you get to the point where, you know, the, there, there's three gentlemen that, you know, that run it, right? The two founders and the CEO, and to see that, uh, you know, it could be it could be argued that they have more information on everybody else on the planet than all of, you know, the governments combined, right? And what, what does that look like, right? You've got the NSA breaking in, you've got China breaking in, to be, you know, for their own reasons and so on. And it's very public about that stuff. There's, there's a TED Talk with, you know, the CEO of Google now that's also one of the founders that talked about that. And even in the recent book of the former CEO um, talking about, you know, what's, you know, what happened when China broke in. So it, there's really, you know, as far as, People talking about Illuminati or you know uh, whatever's out there, the the one percent, the ninety nine percent, you know even the Queen of England went to go visit the guys at Google at their office, right? The Queen went to vi- to visit the the CEO at Google. Well, he, they, she visited the offices. It was, it was pretty interesting to watch. I think they gave her some kind of technical thing that she just looked at and went, hmm, I don't know. So. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you know what? We we, we got to get back to Victor's question. Sure. Uh, Victor, we were talking about how Google, the marketing director, may have been instrumental in toppling Hosni Mubarak during the Arab Spring. And Victor said, at a great question, Victor, it was, you know, then then he goes on 60 Minutes uh, as as well. How did you describe it? We we ask that question. Well, it was a good one. Essentially, what I was just trying to get at is the the power, the the continuing power and influence of, of mainstream media, and how it contends with this whole uh, vision uh, that that that, uh, that Greg's explaining. In order for you to legitimize what you're doing, this person had to go on 60 Minutes to legitimize himself, and in going on mainstream media, right, he automatically became legitimate. And the, because 60 Minutes is the is what is probably the most powerful news news program on television, right? Well, Des- was despite the fact that more people now are watching videos on YouTube than watching all network news combined, probably. Well, yeah, of course, exactly. Chris yeah. made that point. But in order for you know, legitimacy can come in all different forms, and doesn't matter how much something happens in one other sphere of influence, it can be in a hundred million times more uh, more more pervasive. But you can still have a dense kernel of a smaller entity being. More more influential in terms of purveying the legitimacy of, of an issue of, of any kind, despite the fact that something else is, is bigger. And 60 Minutes still retains that. Sure. So I guess what, where I'm going with my question is, uh, when will the legitimacy or the, the, the influence that a show like um, 60 Minutes has, when will that go into total decline and this other entity become as dense in its power to legitimize any issue? It doesn't matter what the issue is. Yeah. That's I mean, if we hit that, have we hit that point where... Nobody's watching anymore mainstream. Uh, I mean, at least not the eyes that matter in terms of the marketers and the advertisers. They're, they've all 
They're up, they've all teleported into the, you know, the, the internet, um, ether or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I guess a, a way of measuring that would be just, you know, to go to YouTube and look up 60 Minutes and Egypt, right? And to, you know, marketing director Google and to check this out, right? And to see on the videos how many people have actually viewed them. And then if you could see, you know, 60 Minutes viewership for that live presentation when they had it, you could pretty much see the data yourself as far as when that kind of is, right? Um, but, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense that he wanted to be able to let the rest of the world know what was going on uh, to be able to help out his situation there, right? So it's a... It's, I don't know when the time would be. You'd really have to take a look at the numbers on YouTube and to, to see what right. 60 minutes do. Do you see that time? Do you see that time coming when somebody at CBS is going to just turn the, turn the lights off and on, uh, on uh, 60 minutes, just going to click, and it no longer exists as, as, a, as a viable uh, purveyor of, inf- of any kind of information where people go to get their information on a Sunday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time? Well, when a new paradigm replaces the old one, right, you know, when you go from horses and buggies and buggy whips to cars, the guys that made buggies and buggy whips didn't, and coaches didn't make it into the automotive industry. So we're going through a time when it's a, it's a new paradigm replacing an old one. It's a generational thing. There's such a gap in between. It's happening so fast that, you know, to, to answer the question is, yeah, it is very likely one day that, you know, that'll be turned off or to morph into something. Either they adopt this new way of, mm-hmm. of doing things, right? Yeah. Well, the, 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 uh, the CBC is going through the same thing. It's struggling to survive. Right. It's yeah, they're gearing more of their, they're going to start gearing more of their content mm-hmm. towards, you know, portable devices. That's, right. That's where the eyes and the ears are. Uh, talk to me about the transfer of wealth then that's going on during Google's rise to, you know, world dominance. Yeah, it's, uh, basically, it's, Going from like your, your Facebook and your Microsoft and, and other things, just those alone, tipping over towards Google, um, is you know all going to that one place. This is arguably the the largest shift in wealth and influence in the world, and you know that's that's an interesting point, right? So, are, are they good or are they bad? Well, they sure feel good. They feel like the guy next door, and you can trust them and everything and so on. Um, the, the question is this, how do we make sure we don't end up in the same situation we've ended up in the past, right? So, you know, uh, certain people having a certain amount of information and being able to use that information to, to benefit only the few. So what if somebody had a, you know, an agreement that was global, right? And what if, you know, how do you, how do you influence an actual uh, corporation, right? You influence their, their revenue stream, especially if they're public, Right. So how would you how would you do that? Well, you influence your customers. Well, what if what if collectively you formed a buying group and you were the largest customer of Google and you brought most of the customers to Google? So I've had this this idea. You know, what if with the global agreement that we have is to be able to you know, make it that everybody could have like a co-op and a credit union and a WestJet put together where it's all completely distributed as far as ownership goes. And that way it becomes, you know, the largest lobbying group and, uh, you know, influence in the world. But Google's really just a supplier and everybody has a voice rather than just people that are, you know, putting money in the, in the, in the open stock market or people that are internally running the company. Um, because right now there's very few people, right, that are part of that decision-making process. That's this huge influence. So you wanna, you wanna. It sounds like you wanna wrest control of Google from Google. Well, it's it's good for both sides, right? Because at the end of the day, you wanna uh, decentralize the decision-making process, right? And it also gives loyalty to somebody like Google, right? So to be able to make sure people trust them, because it is cloud computing. Your stuff is sitting out there somewhere, right? You know, uh, our slogan is, is, you know, we make cloud computing rain money for you, right? But how do you know they're doing the right rain dance? And is it going to rain? When's it going to rain? How much? The, the trick is, is this is a way for people to consolidate. Like you've got, you've got your, you know, we are the 1%, we are the 99%, right? Like I'm a grade 9 dropout. And by my math, if you're 99% and you can connect through the Internet and become a buying group and a lobbying group, then 
you are in charge. You just have to make that decision. That's all. Or have an opportunity. So this is, you know, something I'm putting up for discussion. If people want to contact us to see if they want to do it. We've already been working with some students in, in Costa Rica and now here in Canada where, you know, we we give them access to be able to get training in Google and certified in Google so they can work and make income. There's a Google University, right? Yeah. It, some people call it affectionately, you know, Google or, you know, uh, Partner Connect. There's different different words for it. But basically, as a reseller, we have access to this courseware when you become certified, like being certified in Google or Cisco or anything else. And then that way you can you can do that. So we actually, with Google, it's very interesting. Their model is very different than everybody else. So, you know, for $10 a month, somebody with us can actually have a supported account for all of these tools and have access to all this courseware and to get certified in in all different ways or not get certified and just, you know, learn about it and do what, you know, as I mentioned to you before, an eight-year-old is in the press right now making $1.3 million a year posting, you know, videos to YouTube. But she's not producing anything, really. I mean, she's producing content. I suppose for that, I'm not producing anything, really, then, am I? I mean, (laughs) but she's monetizing these Google videos that she's producing. But that's one person out of... Five billion people that might, or how many people have access to YouTube? That's well, one one no, person. It, no? The spectrum is all across the board. It's just that it's happened so fast that only the younger people are actually can understand it in the new model, right? Like, what would Google do as a great book to read to understand how everything's upside down completely in, in business from the way it was, you know, freemiums and gratuity-based society? Um, it's 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 very different today, and a lot of people haven't had a chance to read these books. You know, the latest one from the former CEO of Google, right? How does Google work? Right, it's it's right there. It's a complete open book of of how this new paradigm is replacing the old one. Right, so it's it's right there for anybody. Go ahead, Victor. I just wondered. You, you talk about um, monetizing things, um, and and you know and selling and, and and doing all of that. Is is this format that you're looking at? And it it definitely is a different paradigm. I I, I totally agree with you. Is it money driven or is it issue driven or is it both or is it something else? Well, that's a good question. You know, I. Does Google have a soul? Does Google have a conscience? Right? And in the latest book that just came out, and this, the former CEO of Google was just at the Empire Club here in, in Toronto. And when you, when you you know get to the very last part of the book, they talk about China breaking into Google, and the part that bothered them the most was is that you know they were looking not just for intellectual property and business and you know stuff and so on, but about human rights activists, right? And that's the part that just you know, turns your stomach, right? And China broke into Google so that they could find out the identity of people who belong to certain groups. Can yes. we just, can I just say it? Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the it's, Falun Gong, right? It's, they, re, it's right there in the latest book that they've got out, so yeah. And and also, you know, the NSA and CIA backdoors in, into Google to yep. spy on you, Victor, and you, Andrew, and me, and, and, and everyone. Yeah. It, it, and you know, Google, what, are they apologizing for that? Are they saying we it was beyond our control, or are they complicit? There's a, a TED talk with one of the founders who's now the CEO that, you know, literally says it's unfortunate that we have to protect our customers who are U.S. based from their own government. From are that. they though? Are they protecting them? I, I I truly do believe that they are based on, you know, watching them. How do we know you're not just part of the Google Borg? You are one <laughs> of nine, Andrew Gregg. Well, I'm a resource, so it's uh, I, I'm I'm apart from them, right? So I'm not internal i'm external but you bought the t-shirt yeah we'll I be, we'll actually they gave it to me for free sorry okay <laughs> we'll be back with the conspiracy show google insider confessions of a google insider victor vigiani from zeland news network is here just because he asks great questions back with more of the conspiracy show my name is richard Serrett. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back. Confessions of a Google Insider. Andrew Gregg, Victor Vigiani, my sidekick from Zealand News Network, is here as well. And we are uh, involved in a little experiment, our very first Google Hangout. And again, if you want to join the Google Hangout, uh, what you need to do, just for now anyway, because this is sort of a project in progress. Uh, you go to my Twitter feed, and that's twitter.com forward slash Richard Serrett, and 
you just click on the the, um, the URL, the link there that says youtube.com forward slash watch question mark V. I won't give you all the, the characters, but it, just click on that and then you are in the Google Hangout. And we're trying to reach a whole new audience. Uh, Andrew Gregg is with us. And uh, Andrew, you said something during the break uh, that I found fascinating. And I know Victor's uh, did a bit of a double take too. You said that Google is the collective consciousness and nobody's in control. Explain yourself. Well, that's easy. You know, as if I was, you know, your previous person that was in here, you know, talking, I'd be saying, if I landed here, I'd be like, who is in control anyway? And really, it really looks like it's in a free fall, right? Because we've had, you know, we can see that around the world with pyramids all over the world and other things that... This planet has been colonized by us many times, and then all of a sudden, boop, we're gone. There's a few left, and we start all over again. The rise and fall of civilizations, and then we start we start from scratch. Yeah. Except somebody, when we rise, you know, from the ashes, there there are a selective few, the cabal that that has that retains some of that old information. Well, the, you know, I I guess the best way to put this is like, uh, you know, you can Google these things. The art of war by Ten Shu, right, is to to keep your friends close, to pe- but keep your your enemies even closer. So in effect, make them friends, or on the internet they call them frenemies, right? Frenemies. Right? So the best way to do that is 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 to, you know, when you're being assimilated by the Borg, you know, resistance is futile, and, you know, we are in control of the internet, please do not attempt to adjust the horizontal and the vertical. Well, get close to that, and how do you influence that? Like we just talked about, you know, you can make sure that, you're part of the collective consciousness. So maybe the art of war by Ten Shu on a whole different level, if you spiral up way, way up above to take a look at this, you know, for another planet, is we have the conscious and the subconscious, right? But the conscious is only 5% of the time that we use that, right? Because just go to walk in front of a bus while you're thinking about your grocery list and your body will step back so you don't get hit by the bus. So you've got the first six years of your life where you're programmed pretty much for the rest of your life. Right, and that's why advertising is so, so much on the youth, right? And then, so really, if you're talking about Google being the collective consciousness, right, then that conversation, those vibrations that are happening out there, it just we just have to decide we're going to partake, right? Instead of sitting there and saying we're the 99%, and I think you failed math if you're deciding that that's what you're saying as far as life goes. You're failing life. Right. Right. So what do you want to do with, let's say you, you convince the 99%, you know, and, and uh, we all become Google Borgs. What do you want to do with Google? How are you going to use Google to save the planet, Andrew? Google's just a, uh, it's a supplier of things, but they're doing some very interesting things. They were carbon neutral since 2007, right? They put over a billion dollars into clean, clean energy technology. The, you know, the way they treat their employees, the amenities are just, it's like being at a frat house, right? It's just absolutely incredible. Electric cars, massages, and bring your dog to work. And, you know, yes, but by the time you're 23, it's the, it's, the, it's the gold watch and the handshake, isn't it? I mean, you, you don't last in that culture very long, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's, it's not really a chronological thing. It's more of your state of mind, right? Uh, there are a lot of people that are there that have been there since the beginning and love it. You know, well, that could have something to do with vesting stock options too. But no doubt, <laughs> I'm sure, sure there's quite a few happy people with that. But yeah, it's you know what, what I'm saying is is you know there really isn't any Illuminati. There really isn't any somebody. You know, there is no us and them. There's just we. And once we get to the we, then maybe we can break this cycle of not you know having a civilization disappear that's global. Okay, so back to how you use how we can use Google this huge pipeline mm-hmm. of information to heal the planet. Well, it's already well on its way with the way that they're trying to do things, right? Um, you know, the ex-wife of one of the CEOs, or, or sorry, I think it's a, of the CEO or one of the two founders, is, you know, want your DNA, right? So there, there, there's many different interesting things when you, you know, just Google literally how big is Google, and you'll see all the different things. You know, the largest manufacturer of computers on the planet, the largest consumer, you know, of you know on, of computers on the planet. You know, over 80% of the mobile phones in the world use, you know, their operating system, Android, right? So, for once, you now have a single point of influence where you had other countries that would fight against each other. So now you have a way to be able to inject in this, have a global conversation, you know. 
hypothetically, a global currency, a global, you know, like a, uh, as a teacher, one of the kindergarten, you know, uh, girls came over to me and said, hey, you know, I understand from looking at all this stuff, we researched this to get world peace. You just have to, you know, every country has like a a, uh, a bill of rights. You know, they have their declaration, they have, you know, whatever that is. And it's an instant act of war for another country to go against the other country's, you know, uh, you know, Bill of Rights or, you know, Constitution. That's what I was looking for. And so she suggested, why don't you just make every country like a province or a state or a parish, and we have one country, which is the planet. Then there'd be no construct or reason for war, right? So out of the mouths of, you know, if you want to know what the world's going to look like tomorrow, things happen so fast, you really got to talk to a kindergarten class. You mentioned the uh, the CEO, uh, the ex-wife of one of the CEOs. We'll come back and, and talk about this, but the, the ex-wife of one of the CEOs apparently is investing a lot of moolah into starting this seed bank. It's almost like Noah's Ark. She's gathering the animals as the rain is coming. Mm-hmm. We'll find out what that's all about when we come back. Andrew Gregg, Confessions of a Google Insider. Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network. Join our Google Hangout. Go to the uh, the Twitter feed, Richard Serrett uh, Twitter feed, and click on the YouTube link there, and you are in. bit of an experiment, uh, and hopefully an ongoing one. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, just a reminder, Follow the Truth is coming like a freight train. Uh, Sunday, November the 16th at the Regent Theatre. Yours truly will be uh, hosting and uh, inviting. Oh, the, the speakers list is growing. We were, we're up around uh, seven or eight, I think, now. Uh, and they will gather on stage again on Sunday, November the 16th at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa. And all you need to do uh, to get involved, uh, you can order your passes uh, through the box office, 905-721-3399. And for more details, if you want to see uh, a biography of all the speakers, and we have some amazing people coming to town. Don Schmidt from, uh, uh, well, the preeminent uh, Roswell UFO crash investigator. Jim Penniston, uh, Dr. Uh, Ronald Mallett on time travel, Patty Greer on crop circles, Jim Elvidge, are we living in the matrix? Uh, also, Debbie Papadakis, past life regression therapist, and uh, my guest, Google Insider, Andrew Gregg. Although, Andrew, the subject uh, you'll be discussing uh, at the conference on the 16th of November will be uh, pyramids. And I don't know if we'll have time to get into that now, but um, uh, if people want to want to hear some pretty mind-blowing uh, information about pyramids and the role that they might play in healing the planet, uh, then they want to come on out to uh, follow the truth. Followthetruth.tv. All right, back to uh, Google. Now, uh the former, or the, the, the ex-wife of one of the, the CEOs or directors of, of Google, we now know is spending untold amounts of money, desperately trying to build this seed arc. What's going on there? What does she know that the rest of us only suspect? Well, that's, that's a good question, right? So how is there a way that everybody could act, have access to this all-seeing eye or whatever you would call it of Google, right? Because they can real time see what's trending, what's a fad, what's you know what's going to happen in the world, right? Um, with all this analytics, so it, it's it's interesting to see that. So I believe that should be something that the public should have access to, right? What is the the heartbeat of the planet, right? So that we could all affect that moving forward. That's it's the oracle, isn't it? These yeah. Google analytics tell us what's going on in the planet. Yeah, and it, so she has access to that. Yeah. And she saw what's happening, and so she's decided to build a seed arc. So what does that tell us then, Andrew? Well, uh, I don't know. I think it's up to everybody's own personal opinion. What, what do you means. think it means? I, 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 you know, I, I believe that there are a lot of people, including myself, that believe that the cycle that has happened many times on the planet is is going to happen again. But didn't we dodge the Mayan calendar end of times? I mean, I believe that was just like the point of no return because even you know. Rob Stewart, who made a documentary here in Canada that's one of the best-funded and most-seen documentaries called Revolution. Um, you know, even the trailer in 1.5 minutes, it's pretty convincing that he says the oceans are 30% more acidic than, you know, than they should be in the last 100 years. And we only got, to, you know, we only got like 10 to 15 years left. 
before you know algae blooms are not there and many other things that we need to be able to sustain life as it is, right? And the only place you can really live is at the top of a very large mountain range. Look at the Sierra Indians, look at you know, many, you know, Tibet, look at these people that have been around for a long time that don't seem to be hugely part of the conversation but are hinting towards things are on mountains, right? So and they're there for a reason, I believe, right? It's that's that's really kind of the Noah's Ark of the world is to be on top of a mountain that's above all these issues as, as things hit Because the at end. that altitude you can survive, um, you know, massive radiation and, and, and so forth. Because it carries in the cloud. It's certain, there's certain layers to the atmosphere, right? So you, you'd want to be above all those issues. And the mountain itself has water coming out through the top of it that takes many years to come out from the ground source. So you'd have water, you'd have food, you'd have vegetation. That gives you oxygen. So as long as you're above the cloud cover, because everything, you know, is sitting up there, whether it's be volcanic or, you know, an asteroid or you know whatever it may be, right? Does do the does the CEO of Google and uh, the founders do they know, for example, that you, a person who has the rare distinction of being one of the few global partners with Google, not the only, but one of the few, do they know you're sitting here doing a Google Hangout talking about what's going on at Google, and are they okay with it? Well, I'm sure they have very busy lives. So there's many things that are obviously be <laughs> uh, that are happening, like you know the NSA and China and other things that are looking at. Uh, but we do have people to answer your question on our team that do have you know relationships on our executive team with the, with the uh, the founders of Google and the executives of Google. So so yeah, it's it's been an ongoing conversation over time, and you know for for Google to grow, you know to enter the Chinese market. Um, which has been a challenge in other markets, a Canadian slash Costa Rican company that's geopolitically neutral that you know could take these standards, take it to a place where people could store their data locally and have access to the entire software code would make you know people sleep a little bit better at night and have a global platform that everybody could rely upon as like a, a global utility, right? A, lo- a global utility that everybody has access to. It's, it sounds good, Victor. Are you ready to assimilate into the uh, the Google Borg? You. I, I got to say a no to that one, but uh, why? Well, I, I just don't understand exactly where it's going. I mean, if the goal is to have um, you know, people live on mountaintops um, because of what's happening below them, I'm not quite sure I'd buy into that. Um, what do we have to do to eliminate the possibility of that occurring? And if Google can be part of the change factor, well, I think uh, that's what he's saying, right? That's what you're saying. I, I, it, can it be? Yeah, now, I, if you monetize, if you monetize things to a point where everyone's just after money, then I think you're barking up the wrong mountain. Um, if, if there's a, a monetization to eliminate the cabals that are controlling things and eliminating um, worldviews that disallow us to, for example, admit that we're not alone in the universe and where are we going with that one, if Google is, is moving towards that, as I said earlier, if it's an issue-oriented platform, by all means, we need to move in that direction. But if it's going to be something that's going to monetize uh, and eventually partake in an economy that will eventually not exist anyway, so that, that money will not exist one day. It'll be archaic. So when you're talking about Google monetizing, it's moving towards an endgame that won't exist eventually. But if you're, if you're a Costa Rican uh, a child... Uh, with well, I mean, the standard of living in Costa Rica uh, is, is comparatively pretty good, I'm thinking. But in other parts of the world, let's say you're, um, you know, you're living in Bangladesh, and you don't have access to one of these, you know, microfinancing banks or something. How, how is Google going to change your lot in life? Uh, well, back to the, you know, the kid that's making, you know, 1.3 million dollars a year at the age of eight, right? right. So it, it, it really. It lowers the barrier to entry for people to socially and economically uplift themselves. And at a young age, they get self-esteem. And once they have that perpetual motion machine of self-esteem, they can find their God-given gift or passion and, and hone that and share it with the world. And the byproduct of doing good is making money. The, the revenue models is really what's changing in the world. right? And with Google, they're driving a lot of things to zero. So they're, they're, they're lowering the barrier to entry in a huge, huge way for people to be able to be a part of that. So what used to take to become somebody that made a lot of money, had a lot of influence, is now available to somebody that can do it in a matter of days or minutes or hours, right? No, it, let's hang on a second. You know as well as I do that if everyone were to be at that level of monetization, of enjoying the capital that's available, that's impossible. 
there's not enough money to go around to, to, to monetize situations for everyone to buy into a, monet- a money system uh, that doesn't You're saying it's money. unsustainable. It's we can't all live in... We, we in cannot, if, if we had uh, everybody living at, uh, at, at, an, at, you know, at $50,000 a year on the planet, it's impossible. That, 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 that cannot happen with the current monetary system that's in place. So if you're moving in that direction, um, I don't know. I just have to rethink the whole idea of, of people buying in at certain levels to make money. And when does that stop? You're eventually going to have li- to eliminate some people from that, from that model. Mm-hmm. Some people will not be able to participate in them at all. Mm-hmm. So where, where are you going with it? That's my only question. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's where we're all going with it, right? It's like watching Star Trek, you know, in 1968, and now we have, you know, flat screens and we have, you know, beam me up Scotty communicators and we're talking to computers and stuff, right? So we're creating all this, right? So to point at everybody else, it's it's really, we're pointing, when you point at somebody, you've got three fingers coming back and one finger going forward, you know, said my grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. So the trick is that we're trying to put this question to everybody else. The question is on you. The question is on everybody that is listening to this that's part of that conversation, right? So will it be redundant? Yeah, everything changes, you know? And as far as, you know, how to get from here to there, right? What does that look like? Things change so rapidly today, right? Like, I was one of the very first... Is that part of the problem, that things change so rapidly? Yeah, it is. It is, for, for generations, especially when you've got people living longer. So is change incremental in its, in its movement forward all the time? No, it's, it's like Moore's Law. They said, you know, the guy that, you know, for chipsets, right? The more you buy, the more you want, right? So it's just consumerism. You so let's, let's summarize here then. Google is, uh, is not the Illuminati. Nobody's in control. You want the 99% of us to wrest control from Google and use it, use this massive pipeline of information uh, to educate the planet, uh, to uh, to empower uh, young people, impoverished people. I mean, it does sound, uh, granted, Victor, I would agree, it does sound utopian. Yeah, where, where we go from here is um, a lot of synchronicity have happened in my life, a lot of things that are hard to explain unless you're traveling with me and see things, right? Um we were one of the very first Google phones, uh, an actual developer phone that we put in the marketplace, and it all just fell into my lap like synchronicity. It was just just incredible. So even recently, stuff like that's been happening. Um, the um, you know right now there's a headset you can buy for two hundred and fifty dollars, and they use it for gaming systems that came from fighter planes, right? And you put this thing on your head, and it picks up on it's called emotive, and you can literally run your computer, you can run your wheelchair, you can you know move a drone around. It's like telekinesis. Yeah, it actually is. It sees the neurons firing and the little micro, you know, electricity firing, and it picks up on that. And, you know, there's TED Talks of this stuff, and it's been around for 12, 13 years. And now, but the people that are using this interface, right, like, remember going from your BlackBerry to your, to your, you know, touchscreen, right? That that was, you know, kids had no issue issue with that. You know, I had a hard time going from my tactile, you know. So, if I was to make a prediction right here, based on what I've seen, because I am a futurist and I've seen you know, I, these things happen, I've been at the, at the beginning of these things, is you're going to see, and I've met a gentleman named Grove with Aroga that you know, has a company that works with and has been for 28 years, uh, children with learning disabilities and physical disabilities with government contracts to give them tools to be, uh, you know, uh, to be independent. But he's changed that philosophy to being interdependent. So actually, there's enough tools out there now that you could actually take people that have these challenges and make them equals, if not better, because you've got this headset that uh, you can literally, you know, do this stuff on the computer. So you can literally move things and do things at the speed of thought. And that's the new interface. And working with these kids that have had these deficiencies because of the environment, birthing, you know, what's happened out there is the irony, is that these people in wheelchairs, they're all going to be Stephen Hawking's that are going to save us through this new interface that is just so much faster because there's so much information. How do you assimilate it all? How do you make decisions? So these kids can really do that through these headsets at a, at a rapid, rapid, rapid pace. Well, Andrew, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time to, uh, to uh, awaken us to this, to the potential, to the pitfalls. Uh, confessions of a Google Insider. I, I'd say give us a website, but it would be what? Google.com? No, what is the website? 
what, where would you like to steer us? Websites are obsolete, I know you tell me, but... Yeah, it's more of our, you know, you can find us on, you know, on G+, right, which is now fairly close, if not bigger, than Facebook, depending on how you look at it. So Facebook is obsolete, Twitter is obsolete, websites are obsolete? Well, if you look at the numbers, yeah, they're trending down, and this is trending up. It took, just for some numbers, it took, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook over 800 days to be able to get to their first 10 million. It took G+, 16 days. Wow, on that note. Um, thanks for joining us on our Google Hangout. We'll do this again. Victor Vigiani, a pleasure. Great to be with you as always. Andrew, thank you. Uh, back next week with a, a brand new show. We'll talk about history cycles. What are you doing to prepare? Thank you, Tim Spreen. And, as always, follow the truth. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>